I have never been on birth control until about two weeks ago. And let me tell you, it's not what you think. The best birth control for me has been taking care of my seven-year-old goddaughter for an extended period of time. Now, I am not saying that I do not want kids because I do. I want a whole basketball team or a group of little minions to do all of my dirty work. But having my goddaughter here for two weeks put things into perspective for me and showed me that I'm not ready to introduce kids into my lifestyle. And it also opened my mind to start thinking of what I needed to do internally before making that decision. And of course, y'all, I mean, after I get married. What is going on, beautiful people? You are listening to the Affirmations for Black Girls podcast, where we focus on personal growth and cultivating a healthy relationship with ourselves. I am your host, Tyra the Creative, actress, content creator, and mental health enthusiast. Y'all, the past few weeks have been a whirlwind for me. There have been so many amazing things happening, but it honestly has been a little bit overwhelming. I've been working more and taking on new projects, but one of the fun things that I recently did was I brought my goddaughter out to California. Now, let me put this into perspective for y'all. I'm 27 years old and I do not have any kids, nor do I have much experience taking care of them long-term. I mean, nothing beyond being a character counselor instructor or summer camp counselor, but I promised my seven-year-old goddaughter that I would bring her out to LA And in a nutshell, I have to say she taught me so much about myself and helped me realize what work I needed to do before I considered having kids of my own. So before we unpack some things I learned about myself through this experience, let's get into this week's affirmation. This week's affirmation is, my past is not a reflection of my future. Let's drop in everyone. If you're driving, continue to drive as you listen, but if you can, close your eyes and be present with us. My past is not a reflection of my future. My past is not a reflection of my future. My past is not a reflection of my future. Let's say it together, y'all. Think about your past and think about your future. My past is not a reflection of my future. My past is not a reflection of my future. Now let's say it together and really mean it from the bottom of our hearts, y'all. My past is not a reflection of my future. Mm. Ooh, y'all just don't know how on point this affirmation is for this episode. Y'all, this is the perfect affirmation for this week because Over the last two weeks, I have just had the time to reflect through spending time with my goddaughter on all the ways I have grown and realized the parts of me that were being overlooked that I literally could not pay attention to or didn't even think to pay attention to until there was a child in my life that I was solely responsible for taking care of, even if it was for two weeks. So today I'm going to share with you five things I learned about myself while I was taking care of my goddaughter. One of the first things I learned with my goddaughter, and her name is Mariah, by the way. One of the first things I learned was that my patience is growing. One thing I used to say is patience is the only virtue I don't possess. And y'all used to say that in, you know, middle school, high school, like young. And 
it was true. I was a very, very, very impatient child because for one, I was just learning how to be a human in general, experiencing a lot of things for the first time and trying to make sense of the world around me and my emotions in the best way I knew how. Because at the end of the day, I'm only 27 years old. I have only been on this earth for 27 years. And I feel like I'm just getting to a place where I can say to myself, self, we're getting impatient right now. Let's take a breath and figure out why we feel this way. Now, I also learned what triggers my impatience while I had Mariah here. So let me take y'all on a trip down memory lane. When I was a kid, I was, I found out later in life, but I was emotionally closed off. I didn't know how to process my emotions in a healthy way because there was no one around me teaching me how to do that. And I didn't know how to even verbalize that that was something that I needed because I'm a child. And there were a couple of times when Mariah wanted her mom and she was homesick and she just, you know, started crying or, you know, throwing a small temper tantrum. And I didn't get upset not one time because the first thing that went through my head is okay she is 7 years old and she's learning how like i said she's learning how to process her own emotions right now and i really just took a moment to observe how she was acting and um how she was processing her own emotions so while she was crying i sat there with her i um asked her questions about how she was feeling and she couldn't really verbalize much of how she was feeling. So I'm glad that I, you know, planted that seed and started to ask her how she felt and things like that, because eventually she was able to say, I'm mad, um, I'm sad, or I miss my mommy. And I believe that is a great start to say that outwardly. So we ended up calling her mom and you know, she talked to her until she calmed down and things like that, because this is the first time she had ever come out to LA. This is the first time she had been away from her mom in, uh, for a long period of time. So I learned just how patient I was. Cause I sat there and I said, okay, well, I'm going to sit here with you until you feel a little better. And she was perfectly okay with that. Now I also learned what triggered my impatience while she was here because Okay, this is where, you know, um, not parent Tyra, but this is where I had to really be the adult in the situation. So while she was here, she didn't want to sleep in my bed, y'all. She said my bed was uncomfortable, so she wanted to sleep on my sofa. And I was like, you know what? I agree because my sofa is very comfortable. I sleep on my sofa all the time. Literally two nights ago, I fell asleep on my sofa, woke up at like 3 a.m. And I said, no, I'm staying here. So I get it. But she was sleeping on my sofa while she was here. And every morning we would, um, or I would tell her, hey, fold up your blanket and just put it, you know, to the side of the sofa and put the pillow on top. She just had a blanket and a pillow. That was her job. And one morning I woke up and she was already awake and she was on her phone watching YouTube. Y'all, the house was crazy dirty because first of all, I was trying to juggle. I was still working. I didn't take off, what I sh which I should have done. And the house looked a mess. And I was like, okay, Mariah, let's clean off the sofa, put your phone down. Um, and the first time I said that, she not necessarily ignored me. She didn't hear me. She was fully enthralled in what she was doing. So I walked over to her and I said, hey, clean off the sofa. You know, you got to do this every morning. Let's fold up the blanket and put the pillow right here. And then you can, um, finish watching what you're doing. You can multitask or I can take the phone away. And she was like, no, I can multitask. So I'll, I'll do it. So I walked away for like five more minutes and she was still sitting there. So I came over and I said, Hey, give me this phone, fold up that blanket and I'll give it back to you. Y'all, she started bawling. And I was like, in my head, in my 27-year-old head, who girl who doesn't really have much experience with kids, I was like, girl, why are you crying? I'm going to give you the phone back whenever you fold this one little blanket. And it's like a throw, y'all. It's not a comforter. It's not huge. You know what I mean? So she starts uh, crying and stuff like that. And I said, Mariah, I'm going to give you your phone back as soon as you fold this blanket. 
I'll even help you fold the blanket. If you ask me to, to help you and if we can, you know, stop crying and get this done because it's a quick and easy task. Obviously, it may not be, you know, as simple to her, but that was the best way I could explain, you know, to her that, look, this is, this is, we don't need to cry about this. We, I'm gonna give you your phone back in literally 30 seconds if you fold up this blanket because you're literally just not listening. You're in this phone. So she starts crying and then she continues to cry and all of these things. And we eventually end up calling her mom and she calms her down. And I say, Hey, well, I told her to fold the blanket and she didn't want to fold the blanket. And now she's saying, that she wants to go home, she misses you, you know, throwing a little temper tantrum because she didn't want to do what she was asked to do. So long story short, after she um, calmed down and all of that, we went into the room and I said, hey, let me talk to you for a second. I really need you to listen to what I'm saying to you. I asked you to fold the blanket. You've been here a week already and you've done it every morning except today. If I ask you to do something, can you please do that for me? Is that okay? And she was like, I did do what you asked. And I said, Mariah, let's go back through the situation. You didn't do what I asked. I asked you to fold the blanket and you continue watching YouTube, right? And she was like, yes. And I said, do you know why I took your phone? And she said, no. I said, Mariah. So we just went through that whole thing. And it ended up with her crying again. And by this time, that's when I got a little impatient. So I think what really triggered my impatience was... I felt that she just was not listening to me in that moment. And I think it was because I'm not her mom, you know, and there's only so much that I, I can do. And I noticed when Mariah didn't want to do a certain thing, she would, you know, not listen to what I was saying or just kind of brush me off. And if I did come back and reprimand her for it by taking her phone or speaking to her again, she would start to cry and want to go home. So I think that's really something that did trigger my impatience. And it's something that when I have kids, y'all, I have to work on that because I can't get impatient just off of something small like that. So I think that was a great lesson for me in that situation. The second thing I learned about myself is that I can be introspective in the moment and I can also put myself in my parents' shoes. And I've been noticing this more about myself in the recent years that I'm able to be a little more introspective in the moment. And that's so big for me, y'all, because when I was back in like 2015, that's only what, five, six, seven years ago. 2015, 2016, literally until I moved to LA, to be honest, which was 2018, I did not have that superpower. And I'm calling it a superpower because there are more people out there than you realize that are not introspective. They they don't take a second to look within and to take it a step further, I'm finally able to be introspective in the moment. Whereas years ago, I started to be introspective, but it was only after the fact. And I really think that's a superpower because I'm able to reroute myself in the situation, especially if I can realize that I'm hurting someone or realize that something that I said wasn't really what I meant and, you know, or realize that I'm actually triggered by something. And that's why this conversation or this experience is happening the way it's happening for me. I'm able to do that now in the moment. And I talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm able to put myself or I was able to put myself in my parents' shoes, like just through a couple of scenarios with um, my goddaughter. I was like, wow, I wonder if this is how my mom felt or this is how my daddy felt in certain situations, you know? So give you an example. One, um, one thing that happened when Mariah was, you know, crying and she wanted to like talk to her mom, she missed her mom, was I tried to, you know, hug her, cuddle with her on the sofa and she pushed me away. And I was, I immediately took offense to that because I don't have any experience with this. You know what I mean? And I started to take it super personally, but I can't take it personally because she's a kid and she's learning how to express herself. And she's also 
used to what she's used to. She doesn't live with me. She lives in a different household. She also processes things differently. We're all humans in our own right. We all process things differently. So she pushed me away. And I remember um, back in 2018, this was 2018 was really a transformative time in my life because the December of 2018 is when I actually went to therapy for the first time. So a couple of months before, well, a month before that, um, something very traumatic happened to my family. Um, one of my cousins was, this is a trigger warning, you guys. Um, one of my cousins was murdered and I'll leave it at that, but he was murdered and I was at his funeral. He was 27 years old at the time. His name is Tavares and I was at his funeral and my aunt was sitting next to me and I was still in a place where I didn't necessarily know how to emote properly or and it, it was very uncomfortable for me to cry in front of people or be anything other than happy or mad in front of other people. And I was very, you know, sad because of the situation. And my auntie tried to like hug me and I pushed her away and she tried again and I pushed her away. And then she just grabbed me and wouldn't let go. And I was pulling away from her the entire time while I was bawling my eyes out. And it just brought me back to that moment. And I was like, dang, like I do have people who have been there for me. And that didn't change our relationship because I guess she realized in that moment, we're all going to grieve the way we're going to grieve. We're all going to process the way we're going to process. And that wasn't necessarily, a, it wasn't a time for a teachable moment in a sense of, hey, I'm trying to console you, stop pushing away, whatever the case may be. That wasn't a time to say anything like that. That was a time for raw emotions to just happen. But it took me back to that moment because that's the same thing she did. And I took it a step further after thinking about that. And after she was okay, I asked her, I was like, hey, Mariah, um, so when you're upset or when, you, when you're sad, what would you like me to do? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, would you like me to leave you alone? Would you like me to rub your back? Would you like me to hug you? And she was like, I guess you can hug me and she you know thinking about it because maybe that's nothing that she ever thought about she's seven so I'm, I'm realizing that it's very important to have these conversations and also be introspective in the moment because I could have been like stop pulling away from me let me hug you and that could have taught her that you don't have to have boundaries with people no matter who they are like you you never know what situations, no matter how big or how small, can affect you as a child? Like that's literally how trauma happens. It's something that is big to you that may not be big to the person that's either um, experiencing it with you or the person that triggered that trauma to happen in your life. It may not be that way. So I'm glad that I had a conversation with her so we could, you know, talk about it. And I said, well, if you would like me to, um, I would, you know, hug you to console you because I'm here. I'm I'm here for you as well. So we had that conversation. I'm so glad that we did because after that, that's when Mariah like opened up a little more. And <laughs> that night I, she snuck into my bed and I woke up and she was sleeping next to me. And I was like, in my head, I was like, mm, I thought my bed was uncomfortable, but I just shook my head and went back to sleep. But I really think the root of it is to make sure that you are having these conversations with kids, something that is, you know, great for their age, but the conversation in general just needs to be had no matter how old or young the child is. And one other thing that I talked about in the a previous episode, I was talking to my brother one day and I said, um, our childhood was hard. Like we were just talking about it. And he was like, well, I just thought about this the other day. And this was a couple of years ago. He was like, our parents were 21 and 22 when they had us. Yo, I'm 27 and I'm just getting my footing as an adult. So when he said that I was probably like 25, 24 or something like that. And it absolutely blew my mind because up until that point, I did not look at it that way. I just looked at it like, 
that's my mom and my daddy. They got to get ready. They got to, you know, be there. They, they have to do all of these things. And the thing that I was missing is that they are people themselves. They are still children for the most part. 21. When I was 21, I was still in college and I didn't, I didn't know how to make a doctor's appointment y'all. Like, so that just really put it into perspective and it really just helped me appreciate my mom and dad a little more. And it made it a little easier for me to process my childhood trauma because I do have childhood trauma and I guess I can go ahead and say this now, we're going to be doing a series on childhood trauma where we dive into the different types of childhood trauma. We, we dissect what trauma actually is and we talk about life after childhood trauma, but it really helped me in my therapy sessions. Once I had that breakthrough conversation with my brother, it really helped me to say, wow, like I need to let this go because now I can put myself in my mama's shoes. Now I can put myself in my daddy's shoes. And to piggyback off of that while Mariah was here, there was one situation where, um, so I have a boyfriend and we had a little riff, like a little, not even a fight. We just had a, a disagreement and it was our first disagreement, y'all. So in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so big. Oh, I don't know what to do because we had never done this before. Like we're, we're figuring this out. So I had a little anxiety about it and Mariah was here. Well, we had the, the the disagreement before and, you know, this was like a couple of days into her being here where I was just feeling super overwhelmed and I didn't want to do anything the entire day. I was like, I'm, I was still working. So I would work in the morning and then I just had this looming anxiety about my relationship going on and it was nothing big, but being that it was our first uh, like disagreement, I was personally like shaking in my boots because I just, in my experience, fights are way worse than what it actually was. And I'm so glad that I have a man in my life like I do because he's so amazing. And I was able to share that with him. And he was like, I'm here. Like we, we're going to figure this out. We're going to fight. We're going to, or we're going to be in disagreement sometimes, but you know, that whole thing. So everything is great on in that aspect. But at the time, I was pretty upset. And I was like, I said to myself, a few hours into it, I had taken a nap and everything. Mariah and I are just laying on the sofa watching TV. And I was like, Tyra, this is not why Mariah is here. And I said in my head, I was like, I wonder if this is how my parents felt sometimes. And I started to think, I was like, There was times when I was little where I was like, my parents never want to do anything. Like what? I can't wait till I'm older. And I didn't want Mariah to have a a thought like that while she was here with me because it, it was a short period of time. It was, you know, two weeks. So at that moment I said, okay, give yourself a few minutes to get yourself together and then get up and go do something with your goddaughter. And that's what I did. But it made me appreciate my parents more because we all have emotions and we all have things that we need to work through. And it's, it's a never ending cycle of healing and being human. Hey y'all, Tyra here. Let me tell you about one of my favorite credit cards. And before you stop listening, because I said credit card, hear me out. I used to be terrified of credit cards because honestly, Y'all, I would act a fool with mine and I would spend money on things that I didn't need and rack up thousands of dollars in debt, but only pay the minimum balance, which leads to a lot of interest. So when my score went down to 600, I said, Tyra, enough is enough. And I looked on Credit Karma and saw recommended cards for me based on my credit score. And the first one I saw was the Chase Freedom Card Unlimited. So I applied for it and I got accepted in literally two seconds. This card is awesome because it lets you earn $200 cash back after you spend $500 on purchases within the first three months. Y'all, that's less than $200 a month on the card. And before you say, Tyra, that's still a lot of money, those purchases can be anything, bills or any monthly payments you know you already have to pay. So I personally put one month of rent on the car and immediately paid it off because I pay rent every month and I got the $200 cash back just from using my Chase card to pay my rent. 
And it also has a rewards portal where you can redeem points and cash back for gift cards, trips, and even pay off your credit card. So I recently used the rewards to pay off a meal that I had at Chili's that I put on the credit card. And I also went to Dallas a few months ago and even bought a rental car for my trip through the rewards portal using points that I accrued using the card. Y'all, it's overall a great deal. And I think it's a great introductory card with no annual fees and 0% interest for the first 15 months. That means if you have a balance that rolls over to the next month, you will not have to pay any interest on that amount for the first 15 months. So it helped me build my credit back up and I think it may help you too. So for your cashback offer, use the link in the show notes to apply for the Chase Freedom Unlimited card today. So the third thing I learned about myself while I was taking care of my goddaughter for two weeks is that y'all, to put it plainly, I will act out in a heartbeat behind mine. My protective side came out and it doesn't come out often, but I really had to reel myself back in because I was like, Tyra, are you seeing these situations properly or is it just because you're you're being protective of uh, Mariah in this moment. And even though I didn't necessarily act out, act out, I know that it could have happened if they caught me on the right day and on the right street. Amen. So <laughs> I'm going to give you guys three ex examples of when I wanted to like act out or I did or a little bit. So the first situation, Mariah and I went to Target and we were getting her a new bathing suit and at the my local target the bathing suit section is very small and I had a basket and in my head I was like why am I bringing these bat this basket through these small aisles and Mariah was in front of the basket pulling the basket from behind and I was pushing the basket so as we we're trying to navigate through the swimsuit section um, we turn a corner and then Mariah says to me oh we can't go that way someone is standing there and it was a, a white girl. She looked to be about my age. I, disclaimer, I always think people are my age. So I honestly don't know how old she is. She looked about my age or younger. And she turned around to Mariah and said, you could say, excuse me. And then she walked off. And I raised my eyebrow because it's like, first of all, don't talk to her. If you have something to say, talk to me because she was not talking to you. So why are you talking to her? So she walked off really fast. So I didn't say anything to her, but if she would have said something else, I would have had to like check her because excuse me, girl, why are you talking to a seven year old? Talk to me. Okay. She was not, um, she was not addressing you. She was talking to me. So in that situation, I was like, okay, like don't play. And I had never felt that before. So it was a, it was new territory for me. Um, but I really wanted to check her and be like, first of all, do not talk to her like that. Do not say anything to her. You can talk to me. You do not need to talk to my goddaughter at all. But the second situation that happened was when we went to Disney. So the highlight of the trip for Mariah was going to Disneyland. And while we were at Disney, you know how they have the characters out and all that. We had just gotten off a ride and we saw Alice from Alice in Wonderland along with a couple of other characters and they had put on like this little show in the street. So we watched the show. Mariah was super excited. And once the show was over, they like paraded out. So Mariah and I stopped at a little concession stand to grab some ice cream or something. And then we saw Alice walking down the the street with I forgot some other character or what or not character but like a musician um person and Mariah wanted a photo so we start to walk towards her mind you there are like it's basically empty in this area so as we're walking towards her one parent walks up and they get a picture another parent walks up Alice is still walking which I totally get but we literally locked eyes, right? These other parents are still walking up and Mar like she's eventually stopped. And Mariah is like at the front, but she is, Alice is moving towards the children 
that she wants to take photos with. Mariah was standing right there and she kept going around Mariah. So I finally said, excuse me, um, my goddaughter would like a photo with you. And she was like, oh, you saw her. Don't play with me. So I just, I'm learning my voice and how to speak up in situations like that because a kid is not going to speak up or may not speak up for themselves. And it may teach them not to speak up for themselves. So I had to be that person to say, hold on. Now you see her standing right here. You going to all these other little kids over here. Mariah was the first one here. So what, why are you skipping over her? Like what is going on? But I I also get it on the other side. It could be overwhelming for them, all of that kind of stuff. But the way that it happened was just like, no, you see her. And she was here before all of these other kids that are bomb rushing the area. And keep in mind, no one was like bomb rushing her, but they were coming to this one little area. And Mariah was literally standing right next to her. And she kept reaching the other way to take pictures with other kids. So I was like, excuse me. She would like to take a photo with you. And I said it very sternly because you saw her like, don't do that. You saw her. And she was asking the other kids, would you like a photo? Would you like a photo? Why didn't you ask Mariah if she would like a photo? Like, don't play with me. But I, that happened. And the last scenario that I'm going to give you guys is when I was taking Mariah home. So... On the way home, we had the middle seat and the aisle seat. And I didn't want Mariah to sit in the aisle seat, so I put her in the middle. I probably should have put her in the aisle, but she really wanted to sit by the window, and we didn't have a window seat, so I wanted her to be able to see out of the window, and the closest we can get is the middle seat. So we found out that there was a man sitting in the window seat. He was like an older white gentleman, and he just kept talking to Mariah. And I'm like, why are you talking to her? Please do not, like, it just made me go into protective mode because first of all, we were on a nighttime flight. The the cabin is dark. I don't want you to touch her. Do not, like, don't even do that. So he was talking to her and luckily Mariah didn't say anything back. She just kind of looked at him and like, was like, okay, weird man. But I just put my arm around her and I started talking to her. I didn't even say anything to to the guy. I just used my body, body language to say, don't talk to her because why are you doing that? Why are you talking to a child? I'm sitting right here. You want to say anything to me? And it wasn't anything that, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't anything that should be being said to a child. Like it wasn't anything crazy, but it wasn't, oh, do you like airplanes? I don't even remember what he said, but I was like, "Eh, don't talk to her. Now that could have very much just been me being overprotective, but I would rather be overprotective than non-observant to a situation. Um, And you may be wondering why I didn't switch seats. Well, it was a nighttime flight. I didn't want Mariah to be like in the aisle. If the flight attendants came by, I didn't want anything to like hit her or, you know, that kind of thing. I wanted to make sure that she was shielded from the, the aisle because those carts, one of them ran over my foot one time. Absolutely not. That stuff hurt. So I didn't want her to have to deal with anything like that. The fourth thing I learned about myself is that I naturally gravitate to being the person I needed when I was a kid because I've done the work. So anytime Mariah acted, you know, or she was emotional in like sad or upset, anything like that, I reacted in the way that I would have wanted someone to act towards me when I was little. I remember being young and I was never um, like coddled or hugged when I was upset. Like I was just, you know, sent to my room. I don't, and maybe I was hugged or, you know, consoled when I was very little, but I don't have many memories of that. Even when I got older, when I was crying, even if I would cry in front of my parents, they would sit there and look at me. But as far as touching me, it would not happen. So I really wanted to be that for Mariah. And I wanted to make sure that she knew that I was here and I wasn't ignoring her. Um, I even know like amongst like my friends or even my cousins that sometimes when we cried when we were little, we got sent to our rooms and that was like being ignored 
for me. You know, I, I remember a lot of days where I cried alone in my room. Some of those times was I retreated to my room to cry because that became my safe place, not my parents' arms. So I really wanted to be that person for Mariah to say, hey, you can come to me. You can share these emotions with me because I just think that overall, Yes, if you want to retreat to your own private safe space, that's great, but you should also feel comfortable enough to share these feelings with your mom or the adult that is in charge right now. And I'm glad that I sat there and I was that person because even though she pushed me away the first time, I realized that it was just because that she didn't feel comfortable yet with doing that with me, but we had a conversation and after that, it was no longer a thing. And I also know that you have to change up the method depending on the child. But in general, I stayed away from ignoring her feelings and not listening to what she needed. And overall, that felt great for me. And we're going to talk about this in our childhood trauma series, but it's very important for us to get in touch with our inner child. Literally look in the mirror and say, what does five-year-old Tyra need? What does 10-year-old Tyra need? And when I started to do that work, first of all, it was a lot of tears involved, but it was such a huge breakthrough for me because I would have never even thought that I'm still that person that I was when I was five. I still have that 10-year-old spirit inside of me. I still have that 15-year-old spirit inside of me, 20-year-old spirit. Like I still have those parts of me and I have to love each and every part of myself. And when I was able to do that, that's how I'm able to love a child because I was reading something and it said um, in certain situations, you have to be introspective enough to know if it's your five-year-old self showing up or who you are right now. And that's so powerful because we all have an inner child and some situations will trigger that inner child to come out and we will start to act in childlike ways, not childish, but childlike ways. And being introspective and being on our personal healing journeys will help us realize when it is that five-year-old, that eight-year-old that was hurt versus us as the, our healed selves or who we are in this day, in this moment. And that will help us, one, continue to grow. And that will also help us to navigate that experience and know, okay, this is an experience that I no longer want to go through again. I need to set up a boundary or this is a growth moment for me to become a better version of myself. And the fifth thing I learned about myself is that I will make a great mom. Now, I know I only had her for two weeks. So y'all may be like, girl, a two-week trip cannot possibly be the deciding factor. No, it can't. But what I learned about myself while having her here is that I was happy to do for her. My nurturing side shined through and my protective side shined through and it helped me realize that I don't have to have it all figured out, but it's also important to pay attention, to talk to, to listen to, to spend quality time with and be present in the moment with kids, especially at her age because they are so impressionable and the entire trip just, or the entire experience of having her here for that extended short amount of time, it just felt natural and it just felt right. And it just gave me the confidence to know that one day I am going to be able to do this full time and I will make a great mom. At the beginning of the episode, I said having Mariah here with me was the best form of birth control. And I still stand by that. But what I meant was it's so easy these days to get quote unquote baby fever and say you want kids and you're ready for kids. But the reality is I personally don't spend enough time around kids. So how can I personally know that I'm ready? Well, 
obviously if I have them, I have to get ready, right? But I don't personally want to be thrusted into that world in that way. I want to make sure that I am 100% the mother that I am supposed to be. Now, I'm also someone who preaches that your healing journey is a journey and is not a destination. Like you will never be 100% healed because it's an ongoing thing. And I truly believe that there's always something more that we can heal. There's always some growth. And as you move through life, there's going to be some things that hurt you in some way. And those things will need to be healed. So that's what I mean. But when I say I want to be 100% the mother that I'm supposed to be at that time, I want to be in a mental space where I am open to receiving all that comes with being a mother, including maybe um, postpartum depression, like all of the stuff that comes along with it. I want to make sure that I am in a space where I can take all of that on and I can overcome it because I know where I have been mentally. So this is very much so a personal thing, but I'm a firm believer that there are some phases of your healing process that could be easier for you to undergo and experience and go through and grow through without the addition of having another human being being your responsibility. And we're not even going to dive into financial responsibility and all of that stuff. But when you have kids, you don't always have the luxury of putting yourself first at all times of the day. Sometimes that child needs you in that moment. And I want to make sure that I'm at a point in my personal growth journey where I can be there for them no matter how I'm feeling, no matter if me and my husband have had an argument that morning or whatever, or I'm mad at my boss or whatever the case may be, a friend, whatever. And I want to make sure that the action of being there for my child isn't breeding any resentment under the surface because I haven't worked through some things that should have been worked through before I brought another person into this world. And I also know that sometimes things happen. And I know that God has a purpose for my life, no matter what. But I also know that I need to do things and be cognizant of things in my life that makes sense, to put it plainly. But I'm just saying that having Mariah here has been a reality check. And I said to myself, Tyra, you say that you're ready for kids. Girl, first of all, get you a husband. But beyond that, you are not. You've taken inventory and reflected on some of your thoughts and actions you had while your goddaughter was here. And to put it simply, my life is not set up for a child right now. And it would take some time to flex my lifestyle into one that would be a conducive and loving environment and financially stable environment for a child. And frankly, at this moment, since I have the luxury of choice, I'm not ready to change the state of my current lifestyle. And that is okay. Okay, you guys, it is time for our closing segment. And today we are going back to I Beg to Differ, which is a segment where we talk about current events that I have maybe a less than popular outlook on. And today, y'all, we are going to dive very, very briefly into abortion rights. So if you have not been under a rock, then you know that Roe v. Wade has been overturned And to put it very simply, but please do your own research on it. When it was overturned, it allowed states to make their own abortion laws, causing a lot of states to immediately make all abortions illegal and make it harder for women to have a legal abortion and a safe abortion. And I won't necessarily say that my opinion on this is less than popular, but I do want to talk about this issue because I am a Christian woman and I do believe in God and I believe in the Bible and things. But what I have to say about this is I will 100% always fight 
for women's rights. I will always think that women have the right to make that decision about their own body. And it just really frustrates me when women and especially men think that they can have a say about somebody else's body. First of all, worry about your own body. And this is what I have to say about it because I've just been watching so many videos and so much social media because I also work for like a digital news um, company right now. So I get so much news filtered through my brain every single day because of that job. But I see so many women and men who are against abortion and who are calling themselves pro-life that are saying that we're protecting these unborn children and all this kind of stuff like this. What you're doing is saying that a woman cannot make a decision about her own body. And there are, or not even just a woman in this day and age, but a person who is able to be pregnant, including people who are a part of the trans community who was once a woman, but has transitioned to being male or whatever the case may be. You're saying that they do not have the right to make that decision for themselves. Now, some of you may say, well, it's a per it's a heartbeat or whatever the case may be. First of all, have you ever heard of high risk pregnancy or pregnancies that could kill people? First of all, in general, pregnancy as a whole is a very risky uh, experience. Like people literally die from this. And depending on the sort of complications in this pregnancy, the best option may be abortion, but let's not even go down that route. I think on the surface of everything, just because you're Christian and believe in the Bible and all of that does not give you the right to make decisions for other people because you are not God. Let them have their judgment day with God when their time comes. It is not up to you to tell them no. It is not up to you to make that decision for them. Let them make them th that decision for themselves. That is on them and they body. And that's what I have to say about it. And it's just so frustrating because I watched this one video that said women should, <laughs> this lady literally said something along the lines of, Women should be able to monitor the amount of semen that goes into their body. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you know how sex works? Excuse me, ma'am. Do you know that there are people out there who are the victims of sexual assault? It was literally a case that happened. I saw it on YouTube a couple of days ago where this, and it, it literally happened like days after Roe v. Wade was overturned. But a 10-year-old girl was raped and got pregnant and she had to travel across state lines to get a legal abortion. And I watched another video where this uh, scenario was brought up to, you know, lawmakers and, you know, people who make the laws. And the lady was saying, well, if this pregnancy was hurting the 10 year old girl or threatening her life, then it would not be abortion. Lady, that is 100% false information being thrown out into the world. And it's just so crazy. We're living in a dangerous time where there's so much misinformation. An abortion is a procedure where you remove a fetus, an egg, whatever. You remove this thing from the uterus. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it because I'm not a doctor. But I'm saying the abortion is the procedure. So she would be having an abortion if she were to get rid of this pregnancy or terminate this pregnancy. All in all, my stance on the situation is we need to reinstate abortion rights because it is not up to a man what a woman can do with their own body. It is not up to a woman down the street to tell me what I can do with my own body because first of all mistakes happen second of all what if you did use a condom and the condom broke or whatever the case may be you just saying oh well now you just put in this whole child on this person and let's just bring it back to what we've been talking about in this episode I want to make sure that I am mentally ready for a situation like this now let's say you 
were even on birth control, right? And your birth control, you were in that one to 2% of where that birth control did not work and you ended up pregnant, but you did your due diligence. You made sure that you were safe. You used birth control, contraceptive, whatever the case may be, but you were one of the people who slipped, slipped through the cracks and you know that financially, mentally, you're not ready. It would make sense to have that abortion for you. It's not up to me to say no, because you laid in that bed. Now you got to just lay in it. Or you made that bed. Now you got to just lay in it. No. And you can't say, well, you shouldn't be having sex in the first place. Y'all, everybody does not live by the same moral code. Everybody does not live by the same set of rules. It is not up to us what other people do with their body. If I needed to have an abortion, I will 100% have an abortion. And I'm a Christian woman. And I will stay by, stand by that 100%. Because you never know what a person is going through. You never know. And that's all I got to say on that. But you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Affirmations for Black Girls. Join us again next week for another real raw and regular episode make sure you subscribe make sure you rate and make sure you review the podcast i love reading all of you guys's reviews on apple i need to check them out on other places but i read all of the reviews so thank you so much and your messages on instagram are just so heartfelt follow us on ig and we also have a twitter please Follow us on Twitter because the Twitter be popping. Y'all love the Twitter over there. And we post two times a day on Twitter. I'm trying to get the Instagram up. This podcast is just growing at such a fast rate. I'm trying to keep up while also remaining sane. So thank you guys so much for your support. I really, really, really appreciate it. Without you, Affirmations for Black Girls would not be where it is today. But thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you again next week. This is Affirmations for Black Girls. Okay, y'all, I have a confession to make. I rarely buy big ticket items outright. I know what you're thinking, but no, I don't use my credit card all the time to do it. I use Affirm. Affirm lets you pay at your own pace and you always know exactly what you owe. I bought my West Elm couch using Affirm and I've been hooked literally ever since. Some of my favorite perks are that there are no interest fees on most purchases, very easy payments, you can even set up auto pay, and you get a fun congratulation text when you are done paying. And I absolutely love that and I be screenshotting it and sending it to my mama because I be feeling so accomplished. But sharing is caring, so I'm giving you $30 towards your first purchase using a firm. Use my code, which I have linked down in the show notes, to get started before September 5th, 2020. 22. Affirm. Pay at your own pace.